Hey guys, welcome to American Gothic After Show for AfterBuzz TV. We are just over halfway through the season. This is season one, episode nine already. This is the Oxbow. So much to discuss. Let's find out where that painting is referenced within the show. Don't go away. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I knew you wanted those strobe lights. I like that opening because it's so short. It's like you think you're getting some music and then bam, we're done. Exactly. I mean, it's a murder mystery. We didn't come here for, to dance. We came here to figure out who done it. Who done it? And there are a lot of whodunits to discuss with this week's episode. So starting us off, um, I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That Zoe Said What. And to my left is Gabriel. Hey guys, you can find me on Twitter at Double G on TV. As you notice, Lucretia's not here, but you can find her at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N. As she says, there is only one. <laughs> Gabriel was really excited to be able to shout out for her Twitter handle. So. I just am so proud. It's like after hearing it so many times sitting next to her, hey, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, first thoughts for the episode, Gabriel. I was so happy that we got a lot of background about Garrett this go-around. Did you feel that way, too? You know what? I, I liked it. I really liked that we finally get, hey, how did he become, you know, the Garrett we were familiar with in the pilot? I was really hoping to find out the origin of the scars, because that's still something that we didn't touch on, but we got just about an answer for everything else. So I think that was a very interesting development for Garrett's character. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, this was definitely an all-Garrett, all-the-time episode. Now, before we start breaking it down, we are going to break it down a little bit differently this episode, and that's because we had so many flashbacks. We'll start out with the recap of pre-credit sequence, and then what we'll do is talk about everything that was in the present, and then we'll talk about the past. So you'll get it all in one of the ways that we can keep our show free for you guys to watch and on YouTube, to listen to on iTunes, wherever you may be tuning in for us, is through great sponsors like Loot Crate. Now with Loot Crate, you get lots of great collectibles, apparel, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises, and they're delivered right to your door every single month. So really awesome to get great mail. I mean, we're talking a new t-shirt in every crate. There are figures, comics, things for your kitchen, a wide range of exclusive items you just can't get anywhere else with fan favorites. I mean, Harry Potter, Marvel Comics, Fallout for Star Wars, so many more. And you can get all this for less than $20 a month. I mean, Loot Crate, come geek out with us, right? right? That is a great deal, Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, I've got the new Harry Potter book, so, you know, I'm looking into using our promo code to get the Loot Crate Harry Potter box. <laughs> well, Loot Crate's a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear, so you are right on. And for less than $20 a month, you get 68 items. That is a lot of items. That include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. And you have until the 19th of August at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And um, until that ha cutoff happens, when it happens, it's over, it's over. But if you use our promo code BUZZ, you'll get to save $3 off of a new subscription. So mm. head over to lootcrate.com um, slash buzz and enter the code BUZZ and you'll save $3 again on any new subscription. And um, from bad guys doing good things for the wrong reasons and good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore anti-hero. So you can walk the hero-villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course a monthly t-shirt, and don't forget the pin. I mean, that is so much. That sounds like a box, like a gift that keeps on giving. A box of fun. And if you want even more box of fun, you can get Loot Crate DX. It's a bigger box. It's bigger loot every single month. 
Loot Crate DX will bring you a high caliber collection of items from your favorite pop culture franchises. You'll get them right to your door for less than $50 a month. You get at least $100 worth of goodies from collectibles to apparel, home goods, and more. August is the perfect time to explore the murky world of anti-hero. So, um, Really exciting, and you can also get uh, gritty with exclusive items from DC Comics, Borderlands, and Marvel, including two stylish wearables and a cool collectible to light up your life. So Loot Crate basically has it all, it sounds like. That sounds like so much fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. So great things for you if you want Loot Crate, yeah. and great things for you if you're going to, which we hope, stick around with us. And remember, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can always click that thumbs up button and subscribe, leave us a comment. If you are watching on I or listening through iTunes, don't forget also to hit that five-star review leave us a review and also to let you know we always try to be in the chat but uh, we're having some trouble with the Wi-Fi so unfortunately we won't be in the chat with you but let's get going now yes. pre-credit sequence we get Brady who is talking to Garrett in prison now mm -hmm. and he gives us a little bit of like a usual suspect line about if you arrest an innocent person they tend to freak out but a guilty person sleeps and he says Garrett however laid awake all night so it's sort of like he's 50 50 and Brady says that he thinks that Garrett was innocent. He thinks that Mitch did all the actual killing and he wants um, uh, Garrett to cooperate so that he can um, basically help. And, you know, Brady's saying, please, I want to help. And we do get that brief flashback in the opening credit sequence or right before it as well to 2002 where um, Garrett comes in. He's covered in blood holding the knife that we all know about now that's missing the piece of ivory. And Madeline says, what did you do? And we don't get anything from that. But... We get Madeline in the present visiting him in jail. He says he's fine and didn't say anything. And Madeline says, you better never say anything. And he says, you know what? This is inevitable. What's done is done. And basically that he is going to speak. And Madeline says, hey, you can make up this story. Mitch gave you the knife, right? You know, wink, wink. And, um... And then in our final pre-credit sequence, we're back to 2002, and it's the day that uh, Garrett leaves, and he goes into Tessa's room while she's sleeping. She, he leaves her a gift, and um, it turns out to be a photo of the two of them together. And we see um, in the present, Garrett with his attorney, Darcy, and she says, oh, don't worry, I'll handle it. I'll get you out of jail. And that's where we go to our credits. So that was a long opening credit sequence, but what did that set you up for, Gabriel? What I really love, and I think it's so sad for Lucretia, we had our very nice Garrett-centric episode, but I think what we've been really looking for is, okay, how do you go from being this rich kid, essentially, to this, you know, wild man that came out of nowhere, shaven with a knife and all this other stuff? And I think what it's set up for is that you're about to really understand that transformation. So I think that was very well done just because I think he's been the most enigmatic. Obviously, all the other characters are eccentric, but getting really into his psyche was very interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I think that all along we've seen that he has a special relationship with Tessa. So especially by leaving that present, he... He gave us the notice that he wasn't just going to abandon her in particular. He might be leaving the rest of his family, but he's leaving her a little something to remember him by and to let her know that, hey, I'm thinking of you no matter what, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've been Team Garrett all along. I still mm. hold that he's innocent. And so I know you're, <laughs> you're Team Not Garrett. <laughs> I mean, you know... The nice thing about having friends is you can agree to disagree. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's see where this episode takes us. So we jump into the present. We have Cam talking to Garrett in jail. So we've got Cam in rehab, Garrett mm -hmm. in jail. 
And uh, Garrett is basically feeling very sentimental and thanks Cam for doing him the favor of talking to Christina, but says he feels guilty because he knows that's when Cam started doing drugs again. And Cam takes responsibility and says, oh no, this is my fault. Don't, don't take responsibility for it. So at that point, how are you feeling about um, Cam and rehab and the relationship with Cam and Garrett? You know what? When they started out, they had a lot of um, ground to make up. Obviously, Cam is like, what the heck is wrong with you? I mean, you sh- once again, shaving with a knife. I just yeah. like as someone who shaves all the time, it's like I would not try that. I've, I've had like the straight razor shave done and that wasn't even like. You know, I had to really like calm down. It's like, all right, let them do it. You know, try some new. But we see now they're trying to find some common ground. They have that bond. And we're really seeing that, you know, the same reason that maybe Garrett felt bad about leaving Tess. He's had to really discover those feelings for Cam. And I think we saw that. We address it later when he sees, you know, little Jack and the guy that Cam grew up to be. So I really like that we're seeing just more depth and more importantly for Cam, just his maturity. He's uh, had a lot of screw-ups, but he's there's two solid episodes of him taking responsibility for his actions, and I really like that. And I hope that that's the case. I mean, they even referenced in their conversation that this is Cam's fifth trip to rehab, so I sincerely hope he is on the mend, I guess, or getting it under control. But I feel like that's not necessarily a given either. And so Garrett was feeling very sentimental with him, though. I think that we're starting to see Garrett starts to feel like it is the end. So I think when we started that episode, Garrett did honestly believe, you know, I don't care about the high-powered lawyer. I don't care what they're going to throw out on the stand that says I didn't do it. I'm ready to take responsibility for being the SBK murderer. <laughs> Except he's not. See, I still think he has an ace up his sleeve. And in the present, because everyone's storyline, of course, revolves around Garrett in this episode, Allison comes to visit. She says she doesn't buy that Garrett was working with Mitch. She's on Garrett's side. And um, then Allison goes ahead and meets with a reporter, Jennifer, who we saw in the last episode as well. She breaks in while Jennifer's doing yoga and says, hey, I need information on the mayor. If you can get into our house and leave an illegal bug, you can find something on the mayor. So she sends Jennifer out to get some info and do a job, for for sure. I have to point out that predatory gaze that Allison watches Jennifer with, Mm -hmm. I mean... It's a little, it's a little sexy and a little intimidating. Just how she seems to be undressing her with her eyes every scene, but she's still ready to like drop the hammer if she needs to. You're I right. really like Juliet Rylance's yeah. performance, and that is also where I thought that the scene was going to go a little bit differently. I guess I keep yeah. waiting for it, and because we've already set the precedent with Naomi, yeah. I keep waiting now for something to happen with Jennifer. So it's like, oh, is this it? No, well, maybe the next time they have an interaction. I can say this: it's crossed Allison's mind. Oh, it you is know, definitely yeah, crossed that, Allison's that mind. That comes through. That's very palpable on screen. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and that is one way that her acting really excels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we have Tessa, who just does not want to give up on Garrett at all. She's talk- she talks to Brady and says, you know, hey, someone could have planted the knife in the cabin knowing it was Garrett's. So she's grasping at straws, and Brady says, hey, your loyalty is touching. If you believe him so much, why don't you go to jail and ask him yourself? And she gets a little defensive and replies that, hey, I don't need to do your job. But she clearly starts thinking about it and realizes he's right, that if anyone can figure out 
if Garrett's telling the truth or not, she's the one who would know. So she does visit him in jail and she, you know, and he's just having a nice chit chat with her and saying, oh, did you hear a heartbeat? Recognizing that she's pregnant. She says yes and then says, hey, tell me how the knife wound up there and did you kill someone? And he doesn't answer. So he can't give her the reassurance that she wants. And so Tessa does say to Brady later, hey, I, I withdraw. I don't think that, you know, I've been naive basically. And I mean, dun, dun, dun. Now you still think Garrett's a killer. And for me, right away, I was like, there's an explanation. And we haven't talked about the flashbacks yet. And we know that in the flashback, there is a man who befriends him who's been coughing. And I was like, uh-uh, I know that he helped, like, mercy killing. I, I stopped. I hit pause. And I turned yeah, to Gabriel. <laughs> she wanted to make sure I knew that, hey, it's not him saying it's SBK. It's him saying it's the old man. She made sure That's you're right. going to get this, Gabriel. I'm not on your side. I wanted credit before the show here even started like here's my credit brownie points i know what i'm guessing you know it's like calling dibs on you know i'm gonna get this argument on the air so don't try to take it so no but um i called it but you still thought there you think there's gonna be more uh, okay I said it before. I don't think it was Mitch. I think that is a red herring there are Mm -hmm. still two people responsible and Garrett is one of them that's you're holding that's, firm you know i mean it's like being on the titanic you're staying on <laughs> till it sinks and i'm staying on my anti-garage ship well back in the present day you're gonna need a lifeboat <laughs> we'll see and back in the present day we have brady and tessa talking and when tessa does say she's been naive she gives uh brady the photo that garrett had left her so he has something to go canvas the neighborhood again with but with a, a photo of what garrett had looked like in 2002 when the last killing took place which did strike me as funny that they should have had other photos of Garrett but okay and then Brady and Garrett were talking somewhere and Brady uh, gives him another chance and Garrett still wants anything so now Brady threatens him a little bit and says hey we've got photos and photos help us with witnesses so now is your opportunity and then we get our favorite Jack he goes to visit Garrett in jail as well and he brings escape from Alcatraz and this is perhaps (laughs) the most normal we have seen Jack the whole season the only sort of strange thing he does is show a drawing of a bacteria that caused the bubonic plague but um, he also mentions that he saw Christina at the OB's office as a patient so the big question is is Garrett a dad to be now I was surprised at how normal Jack's interaction was with Garrett Okay, I, we need to put this into perspective. Him only showing a picture of bacteria is considered a normal day for yes. Jack. <laughs> I mean, I gotta admit, I can't stop laughing. You know, it's like, what do you give your uncle who's in prison escape? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, Parvin wants to ask, is that even allowed in prison? But I don't care. It's too good. <laughs> That was great. I love it, and I'm so glad that Jack is getting over that heartbreak with Sadie, you know, just rebounding with family the way you should. Well, and that was something that I'd mentioned to you, Gabriel. I said, like, they sent him to that camp so briefly. I feel like I want more of that relationship also. It was such a strange relationship that Jack had. But the show also didn't make us wait for an answer about the question, is Christina pregnant and is it Garrett's baby? Because right away he calls Christina, says, don't hang up. Hey, I need an answer. And she says, yes, you are going to be a father. And meanwhile, back at the police station, we have um, his attorney, Darcy, looking at evidence and 
trying to find something to uh, get him out of jail. Dana, who we love, of course, Dana of the DNA, uh, she goes in and says, hey, I never make mistakes. And so, of course, Darcy pulls out a baggie and says, well, where's the analysis off of this cufflink? And they say, well, I never did that. And she says, well, that's because it disappeared. And here are all the ways now that I am going to get Garrett out of jail. And meanwhile, Garrett talks to Allison, and he says that uh, she needs help, or excuse me, he says that he needs help from her to get out. He calls the attorney and says, I've changed my mind. Basically, I want, um, you know, I want out. I'm going to be a dad. So that's, that changed his mind really fast. Yes. I was surprised, actually, at how fast he did an about face. Well, I think it goes back to what we do come to learn from Garrett through the flashbacks, which I know we're going to get into I think that at the end of the day, what really draws Garrett back to his family, and we're going to learn what it is exactly, obviously, down the line. It's only episode nine. But we understand that Tess really was the baby of the family when he left, and that's what gave him the most guilt about leaving. What draws him to Cam initially to want to rebuild that uh, relationship is the fact that he understands now he's an uncle to Jack. And Jack easily, I think, besides Tess, is the character and family member that Garrett is most fond of. So when you have these different things, I think it's very easy to understand that Garrett really did. He knew he wanted to be there if he is a father and we got to also address the fact that something happened with Mitch that he wants to be the father he didn't have or have that relationship he didn't have with his own. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it develops. But it also maybe puts Christina at risk to be the next SBK victim. It's possible. And it's interesting that you think that Garrett's relationship with Jack is one of the closest because I almost sometimes feel like he doesn't know what to make of Jack. I feel like the others sort of acknowledge, openly acknowledge, that he's a little nutty and needs help. I mean, they shipped him off to crazy camp last week. But I feel like Garrett's a little more, like, he feels as though he could just snap him out of it. Like, when they were in the hospital and he took Jack to see the autopsy a couple weeks ago. That it's like, if I just show you one more thing, then you'll snap into normalcy. But it's not going to happen. I feel like what it is is Garrett understands how ostracized Jack is, and he understands what that feeling is like. So when he sees all this happening with Jack, and I mean, you kind of learn how to desensitize yourself a bit when you're killing rabbits and all this other stuff. So I think when he has those interactions with Jack, one, he has that um, paternal instinct, like, you know, this is my nephew. But also, I think he feels like he understands being the weird one, even more maybe sometimes than Cam does, because Cam at least has the normalcy of his artwork and his career. Garrett has never had that, so when he sees that happening to Jack, I feel like that's just him. He understands what it's like to be there, and he wants to be there for Jack, so... I think that's where it comes from. Obviously, he's building relationships again with Cam and Allison, but the one with Jack is the second strongest to me. Yeah. No, I I would agree with that. And I think that he wants to be part of the family again. I mean, he talks about it in this episode even, that he liked last week when they were sort of welcoming him back into the fold. And so that brings us to the past then, because we got great flashbacks through the years to find out Mm -hmm. where he's been and what he's been doing. So... We did start uh, the episode with 2002 when he shows up in covered in blood and Madeline says, hey, what happened? 
So our next flashback hits at 2003, and we find Garrett waking up from a deep sleep. We do see a bird on the couch behind him, and uh, like on a couch back table, and he notices people are coming in. A family is coming into the house, so he quickly hightails it out of there. So clearly he broke into a vacation house, and it's at that point that we also get the title painting of the episode, The Oxbow. And uh, it's about the 10 minute mark in, and so it's a painting of basically looking out into a valley. The official name of the painting is View from Mount Holyoke, Northampton, Massachusetts, after a thunderstorm. So it's quite a mouthful mm. of a name. It's commonly known as the Oxbow. You can find it at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. But uh, that's where we get that shot. He's looking out over the valley. And then uh, we find him trying to break into another cabin, and he gets shot out with a crossbow. And this is the same crossbow that we saw last week when um, Jack and Sadie were breaking into a cabin. So he gets shot at and he talks back and forth with a man whose name we actually never got. But mm -hmm. the, the man says that, um, you know, what are you doing? Do you need a place to stay? And he says, you know, I'm only breaking in to stay here, basically. I'm not breaking in to steal anything. And he hurries him along, but he does give him a canteen, which is also something that we've seen before is the canteen that we saw he had with Christina a couple episodes ago. So it's nice that they keep giving us these little details to explain things that we've already seen in the episode. And then we see him again chasing a bunny in the woods, and uh, we see the guy with the crossbow who shoots it and invites him inside. So we see their friendship starting to begin. They eat together, and, so, and the man says, hey, I'll show you how to catch a rabbit, and... Um, you know, we'll, we'll go for it. And he says, hey, I know someone who died who had no family. Like, let me take you to his cabin. So it was interesting that he started from being this sort of mountain man who wanted to be by himself to really feeling something for Garrett and taking him in. Well, I think that what he saw, whatever feelings that Garrett had to wanting to be away from his family, I think that the old man, they said it once, I want to make sure I got it right, uh, it was only when Garrett was finding him in one of the final flashbacks, Jenkins. Yes. Oh. Yes, I know. I think yeah. you're, you know what? I think you're right. That it sounds a, familiar. Because too. I, I was that. waiting all episode for that. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to just say the old man, the old man. I want some. But I think he saw a lot of himself in Garrett when he says, hey, I don't want to be around my family. This hermit style guy, very Obi-Wan Kenobi in that way. Just, um... He saw that in Garrett, and I have to point out, I love the parallel that Garrett almost gets shot with the crossbow. Same thing happened to Jack last episode, too, so, I mean, kindred spirits all around in that forest. <laughs> that is a good connection. I'd say more that Jack was more like the hunter, though, when he took that bow than the hunted. I mean, but... you gotta have the guts to pull the trigger. And, and he did not. This yeah. is true. This that's is a, that's true. what it's like being around intimidating women. You're just like, I don't want to mess with her. <laughs> Well, Jack was clearly in love with Sadie. He's lost his life partner now, for sure. Soulmates, so sad. <laughs> but I thought it was a nice relationship that uh, Garrett and Jenkins had. And yes. I'm glad you caught the name because, right, we kept saying during the episode, do, do we have a name for him? Should we check IMDb? What? Yes. And then, of course, our Wi-Fi wasn't working. So I'm glad you caught that. Um, so well, yeah, they have you, a nice episode. You have the eagle eyes. I have, I was going to say no, because they can't hear that well. <laughs> I can't uh, the eagle ear. No, because oh, eagle, eagle notes. I have good. I got the ears. She got the eyes. That's why <laughs> we're a good team. There we go. Well, we skip ahead to 2008 now, and now we they they're friends. Jenkins and Garrett. They're catching a rabbit, and uh, Garrett says, "Hey, I want you to cook it." Jenkins. They they have this team camaraderie going. 
And then we see them eating together. And we do get reference to the knife that comes up later with the killings. Jenkins says, hey, you, you know, the duck is, or excuse me, the um, rabbit is fine. It's the fact that your knife isn't good. Why don't you get rid of the knife? And Garrett says, no, I'm not getting rid of my knife. And they realize that they have never talked to each other about family or anything. So they talk a little bit. They each say, well, my family is dead. They clearly don't want to give anything away. And then we have Jenkins, who does say that he had a niece named Julie, and he tells a story about how wonderful she was. He's the only one. She's the only family member he really thinks about anymore. She had a great future ahead, and then she was killed by a drunk driver. And I think that puts it into perspective for Garrett, because he had mentioned that he had a sister, Tessa, who he really loved as well, and that he has really missed. And it's also during that scene where we get Jenkins with the coughing fit, which foreshadows, hey, I think something's about to happen with him. He's mm. not going to make it to the end of this episode. Now, what did you make of the story of Julie and getting hit by a drunk driver specifically? Did you think that had some sort of deeper meaning? I wouldn't be surprised just because I feel like we are setting up for a really big game-changing impact on the Hawthorne family. Mm -hmm. um, I've thrown it out there. Could it be something happens to Christina, to Sophie? Tessa would obviously have the most impact, and I think we're really looking for something to really change the pace, really shift gears going into the last quarter of this season. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think that it wouldn't be something so... Um, uh, how do I put it? random as just a drunk driver something that is not connected obviously if tessa is going to go it's going to be something sbk related but yeah i think what we took to see is you know they're really trying to flesh out garrett and understand just the guilt he feels and it's supposed to bring up this question what is it that happened that would make him want to leave tessa if he cared about her so much so that's really one of the things that i drew from that that there's so much depth to this relationship. Something that big is what broke it up. And I agree that I felt like I wanted to connect Julie's death to something that maybe we'll get a thread later on that, yeah. you know, the killer was related. But I don't tend to think so. I think that it was more showing that Julie was gone and that Jenkins had no way to go back to her or reconnect. But Garrett still has a way to connect with Tessa. He doesn't have to be completely isolated. So I feel like it maybe just served to show that he still had a chance. He's choosing to isolate himself from family versus having no family or family that's gone. True. And so still in 2008, we see that um, Garrett's starting to lurk around his family vacation home, basically. he uh, We see him reading a newspaper. We see him looking at Cam's cartoon specifically. Mm -hmm. But he's going to see if he can catch his family and see them there. Well, in 2010, he finally does. He sees his fam family together. They're all outside. They look like they're having this wonderful time. They seem completely normal at this mm. point. Uh, there's this story about how Cam and Sophie met before, which is interesting because it's sort of how Garrett was stalking uh, Christina. He says that what happened is that he kept seeing her around everywhere, and then she showed up in a park and said, hey, I'm going to be your girlfriend, and that was that. And they already have Jack at this point. Yeah. Allison's pregnant. Um, Brady has just been with Tessa for two months. So that's the time period that they're yeah. in. It's an interesting, it's an interesting spot. But during well, this... Well, you know, the, the things that uh, having bangs will do to change your appearance. We talked about that. <laughs> that's right, because Tessa was practically unrecognizable. <laughs> 
for me. And so at this point also, we hear a red-tailed hawk in the sky, or that's what they tell us it is. And so um, they look up, they talk about it. As the family goes in, Tessa says goodbye to it, showing that she's just very sensitive. But it actually turns out later that it wasn't a red-tailed hawk at all. It turns out that it was a red-shouldered hawk, that the red-tailed uh, hawks are actually pretty quiet. And we find this out when Garrett actually calls. He slips into the house, or excuse me, she call, Tessa calls Garrett because he slips into the house and leaves a phone number for her to reach him. It's not creepy so. at all. <laughs> I know. When he was creeping into the house, is like, what are you doing? And then the fact that she was able to call him, I felt like they're so closely connected all of a sudden. It's like he's been away for all these years, for eight years at this point, and suddenly, no big deal, let's talk on the phone. I mean, I think that just goes to show how close they were before whatever happened did happen. I do have a big question for you. Sure. Do you find it uh, maybe a little telling that Garrett and... Uh, I was about to call Essen that Garrett and Tessa are the ones who can identify the predatory birds. Could that be a little foreshadowing? No, although Tessa is the one who is wearing the owl shirt in the first episode. So, I know. so what is it about those people who wear, who have a lot of owl stuff? So, Zoe, do you know anyone like that? I know we've talked about this before because I had a bunch of owls from Pure One a couple of years ago when they were all over Pure One. I know but, what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> So it's just interesting that they had this, she did try to ask him a lot of questions and that's when he got off of the phone, but it just felt very, I guess, abrupt to me that suddenly he decides he's going to make contact and that she's not more confused or even more angry, that she just is ready to ask lots of questions that seem pretty mundane instead of, hey, big brother, why did you disappear? Well, he's clearly afraid of something because if you notice the one character, he or sorry, the one family member he doesn't care to actually see is Mitch. You know, that's the one person we don't see in that flashback. So I think that says a lot about what happened with the dad. But also remember, I mean, he said it. it's 2008 and, you know, he goes every summer. Two, to 2010 now. To, yeah. Well, yeah. He, well, since 2008, 2009 he goes. Oh. He doesn't see his family. Finally, 2010. You're telling me he spent every summer waiting for them. He feels this guilt. So what's going on in his head? Is he afraid? Is he afraid that his family may not accept him? Maybe that Madeline, you know, somehow turned the family against him? We don't know that. And remember that Madeline is the one who talks to Garrett about, hey, you said you wouldn't come back. Right. So that's something we have to think about. But I really thought about that. What is it that he was afraid of, that his family wouldn't accept him or that they wouldn't recognize him? And see, I felt like he wanted to stay away. It wasn't that he was afraid they wouldn't accept him. It was that he didn't want to be with them, mm. that it was more of his choice. Even though you're right, the Madeline is talking about staying away. But I feel like it's also more his choice to be away at this point. Well, still in 2010, we get reference to how quietly Garrett can move when Jenkins says, hey, no one even saw you there. You were pretty quiet. And um, Garrett says that he really liked seeing his family, and he recaps everyone's lives at that point and says, you know, he always imagined that he would be married with kids, but that it's not to be. And Jenkins says, hey, never say never. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. And then he confesses that the cough that we've been hearing is congestive heart failure. So even though he's young, it's still his time is numbered. So at this point, if I hadn't had my prediction that that's who Garrett was going to kill, would you have thought that's what was coming? You know what? Uh, 
the first cough, I actually thought that somehow... I didn't expect until Garrett said that he didn't kill anyone because we had a few flashbacks before that point. I thought, okay, somehow this death, maybe if Jenkins kind of takes that father figure role in his life, maybe it's going to be what affected Garrett to want to go see Mitch. The fact that he did um, have to end up killing Jenkins later, that threw it into more of a question for me because that's something... For a character that's already messed up to now have to go through that, I'm trying to figure out exactly what... It, there's something broken inside Garrett, and there's some trauma there. Some of it is also stuff that he's, I think, done to himself, and I think that's something I was still trying to understand. Yeah, and I think that they have a relationship that's developed where they were each isolated for such a long time and that now they've come together. And I also got the impression, we heard earlier from Jenkins that he only comes out once a year for a month to his cabin, but otherwise he's not there. And I got the impression that towards the end, he was coming more frequently. They were spending more time together. It wasn't just this one month a year, but that could be wrong. That's just pure speculation. We never officially got that but it I was, feel bad for Garrett if he's eating some poorly cooked rabbits so all you know, those years. 11 months out of the year <laughs> <laughs> and then you know back to 2015 we skip ahead in time a little bit more uh Garrett shows up at the cabin uh ready you know ready to cook with Jenkins and says hey I've got some food and he finds Jenkins is on the floor and says hey it's too late for medication please help me and he literally begs Garrett to help end his life and Garrett has tears in his eyes and says, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And Jenkins begs him and so and looks at and, you know the pillow and makes reference to the pillow that's on the chair. And so Garrett does take the pillow and smother Jenkins, which is essentially the same way that Madeline killed Mitch, also by cutting off his oxygen supply. And then Garrett watches from the trees as the, as the sheriff's department takes the body away. So I called it, <laughs> but it still makes me sad. Bow down, bow down. <laughs> it makes me sad. They had such a nice relationship. and But I thought it was very symmetrical that it's the same way that Madeline killed Mitch. Well, I think, um, unfortunately, Jenkins had to go because we all, we understood that somehow it was, his loss was going to affect Garrett to go back. So I think we were just waiting for the how and the why. And mm-hmm. I think they really did a good job of fleshing out that Jenkins really made him address what his own isolation has done to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've gotten at with understanding that they both really were alone and all that each other had. And I wonder how often he was talking to Tessa after 2008 when he, or 2010 when he passed her the phone number. Because then in 2016, he's alone in his cabin and a man comes in and says, hey, I got a call from your sister. Your dad's in the hospital. You need to go. So that's where, of course, episode one started, where he was introduced But also in 2016, in real time, we're back in jail because Mm -hmm. we have Garrett talking to um, Allison and Jennifer's report comes on. Uh, and and actually, I'm sorry, I don't think Allison was there. He was just watching TV at this point. Allison had yeah. been there earlier. Well, yeah, Allison left and then it right happened. And earlier. Yeah. So um, during Jennifer's report, it actually turns out that she's kidnapped, and we see her on screen, and she says she's forced to read the following, and basically that SBK had an accomplice. It was me, meaning not her, but the person who's forcing her to read this, saying, "Hey, because you stirred all of this up, hey, the killing is going to start again. People are going to die, and then it looks like she is killed right on camera." camera there and so that was a shock <laughs> dun, dun, dun. do you agree I, yes i really thought that jennifer was gonna be hanging out with us longer but um 
Yeah, I okay. Now it makes me think. Okay, where is everyone? Where are all our family members in real time now? Right. And so Allison left, but does does the time frame work? It's a it's so fresh for you and me. So I think you know we almost need to go back and maybe break that one down a little bit. But timing. we don't know where they are. I think we'll find yeah. out in other episodes. All um, we can say for sure is that Garrett's stuck in jail, but we don't yes. know time wise where people could be or when. Yeah. And um, we do get a quick flashback to 2002 at the very, very end. And it's that same scene from the beginning where Garrett's covered in blood. He's holding the knife. Madeline comes in and Garrett says, he tried to kill me. And that's where it ends. So it sounds like then if we're assuming, we could be assuming, maybe we should move to predictions before I get going. Okay. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions i could totally do that job (laughs) (laughs) so this could be convoluted but bear with me so if he is not talking about mitch when he says he tried to kill me he could be referencing that the other person the accomplice is a man he the accomplice tried to kill me in Mm. which case that really just leaves us with cam it's true um one could imagine maybe the sbk victim let's say a david morales someone like that could it have i mean if it's not mitch then i would assume that garrett for whatever reason went with someone i'm not gonna say mitch because i think it's allison but he went with somebody tried to maybe it's the first one if i'm not mistaken but he tried to whatever reason whatever their motive was to do this you know they encountered some resistance and so Garrett does end up you know getting in that situation so I would assume if it's not Mitch it's got to be an SBK victim who fought back possible but there's also a lot of blood and those SBK victims aren't covered in blood they're strangled and set up in the chair neatly with the bell next to them there's no blood well I mean they also they found all the bodies and we see in the preview that Garrett does dig up a skeleton so I don't think that it's um, Jenkins. So oh, I totally think it's Jenkins. Th- I'll go on the record Jenkins predicting. Ca- I don't know why he's digging up Jenkins, but I think it's Jenkins. Maybe he has to prove that there was a body there. Maybe he has hmm. to... Oh. Oh, I'm Wait. wrong. I just realized they took Jenkins away on the stretcher. The sheriff's exactly. department came. Yeah, so... Okay, maybe Jenkins told him where the owner of the cabin was buried. But then what... Okay, my question for that, what purpose of that serving the story why would they need to know who owned garrett's old cabin none i have no idea <laughs> maybe is... to prove the knife i don't know the knife was there this but it was a... clearly garrett's i don't know that's a this is a poor theory that i'm that you I'm know because i'm, I'm trying to figure it out okay we you have a very good question you know and that raises another big point like ah, i can't even speak <laughs> we need to figure out you're so passionate what, about who's it who's the what would Garrett get out of getting that skeleton out of the ground? Does it prove his innocence? It almost has to. I, I think feel it like. has to prove innocence. But it's not Jenkins, so who would it be? Someone else who he didn't kill. It, it would have to be someone that maybe proves that it wasn't SBK, but then that's one we're just going to have to wait for episode 10, I feel like, because I can't think of who it could be. 
It could, well, I think it's a character we really haven't seen before. Yeah. I don't think it's the previous owner of the cabin. No, I doubt it, it that doesn't, too. Despite the fact that I just put it out there about five seconds ago, it doesn't make as much sense. So I don't think it's that. You know, I'm hoping you change your prediction to Allison and Garrett by the... You know, we I got four more episodes to try to I make this been. happen. I have been. And you guys, so I made well, sure this time add... I would have my list. So... I would just like to say, from the beginning, episode one, I think this is a good time to go over it. Tessa okay. and Cam were my guests. You thought Mitch and Garrett. Okay. So uh, you've been with Garrett the whole time. Episode two, Madeline and Allison were my guests. You stuck with Garrett. Okay. So Allison, I was with her from episode two. Okay. Episode three, Madeline and Allison again. You thought Garrett again. Lucretia was with us. She wanted to basically vote for everyone. Madeline, Mitch, Cam, and <laughs> Allison. I she mean, is. she's probably going to be right. <laughs> Episode four, although I wasn't here, my pick was Allison. You thought Garrett and uh, Lucretia was on Garrett and Mitch for that one. Episode five, I thought Allison. Um, you thought Allison as well. So we were definitely, um, we were all on board for Madeline in episode seven. No idea what happened to episode six, but episode eight, I thought Madeline. You thought Garrett and Allison again, and uh, Lucretia also thought Madeline. Yeah. So we've seen the same consistency. We have pretty much stuck with our same horses through this race. There have been some changes, uh, but... Well, let's address something for the fans who are probably like, you know, what are they thinking? It can't be Gary, it can't be Allison. What would it take for us to consider Cam stronger, do you think, as a suspect? Because there's not... Physically, I mean, forensically, he could still end right. up back on that board. It's just, you know, we've kind of taken him out of contention yeah. with all the physical evidence that... I'm still starting to feel is a little circumstantial right. toward Garrett and Mitch. So I'm really trying to think, let's say it is Cam. Okay, that's a good question. What would make us think he's guilty? I don't know. It's something about the fact that he has to go to rehab that I feel like makes us give him a pass and think that all of the other issues he's having are simply tied to that. It's not because he's done something. I mean, I would think that, okay, let's say... He seems like, you know, morally a good guy. He obviously has his uh, demons that he's struggling with. But I would say that he does have some more trauma that we haven't addressed yet. And maybe somehow the SBK murders are some way that he coped with something that he's really closed himself off to. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't seen that side of him yet. I know who the body is. Who? When we saw the flashback with Cam watching the body being dragged down the stairs, we never know who that body is. We just know that he that Mitch is dragging someone down the stairs. Who, he was That's who it with. is. Garrett probably helped bury the body, and that body, yes, is the person Madeline was having the affair with. We figured it out. That's who the body is. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, this is a good time to wrap things up. Where can everyone find you on social media? <laughs> Double G on TV. I'll see you next Wednesday. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Zoe Said What. You can also find me on YouTube at Zoe Hewitt Hosting, where I do a weekly movie analysis show. Thanks so much for joining us once again on the American Gothic After Show, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.